This evening, I'm continuing in our two-part vision series called Commissioned, looking at our vision for 2023. Alice shared last week about, um, so she did the first part of this series, really telling the stories of what God's been doing. Do you know what? It's really easy in life and in church life to just keep on keeping on and to forget. But actually, biblical remembrance is to look back and to remember what God has done. And therefore, Alice looked back over the last year and told story after story after story of God moving and God power. And so this evening, I'm looking forwards. If Alice was to look back at what God's done, I'm looking forwards to what we want to see God do. Now, this talk will be slightly different to my normal preach. Um, I'm not quite sure what a normal preach that I would do looks like, but if there was to be a normal preach that I would do, it would be different to that. So I'm aware that some of you have been journeying with us for 14 years, and actually this morning we got a chance to commission um, some um, Mark and Anna Epton in our morning service who are taking over as uh, assistant site pastors this morning. But Mark and Anna were the first people to move to Cardiff to start this church. And they moved before me and Jen. Uh, and so today was a really emotional day as we got to commission them into all that the Lord's got for them. As the central site's growing, um, Matt and Alice felt that they, they were already doing the role. And so they commissioned them today. And that was a really beautiful moment. But Mark and Anna have been with us for 14 years. Some of you are here for the first time this evening. You're so welcome. And what I'm going to do beautifully in an amazing way, is bring those two streams together of people that have been here for 14 years and people who've been here the first time and say, this is where we're going. <laughs> this is what it looks like. Now, last year in May, I came to the church with a three-part series called He Will Be Exalted. And as a leader, it's always a vulnerable moment where you share vision and then you ask the church to respond. It's like, okay, this is where we're going and now will you respond to that? And, but what was absolutely incredible is that the church not only bought in, but they gave generously to all that the Lord was going to do in this next season. And there were three things that I communicated in that series, He Will Be Exalted, that we felt like the Lord wanted to do. And so, again, as part of looking, you know, looking back and looking forwards, just wanted to reflect on that for a moment. Uh, in the vision, we outlined three key moments for us. Firstly, buying the gate a new era of what that looks like. Secondly, developing our sites and ministries. And thirdly, that's four. Um, thirdly, can't count, church planting and equipping future leaders. So those were the three things that we came to the church and said, these are areas that we want to develop and move into. So I just want to take a moment to report back on those things. We bought this building in the summer. That is redonkulous is the word that I'm going to use. But just so, that's a really important word, redonkulous, if you don't know that one. But um, yeah, so amazed that the Lord has provided this space for us. And we're in the process of trying to bring it into the fullness of life. And it takes time, if I'm honest. When you start a project, you know, we're six months in. We're not finished, but we're moving in a direction. We said there were four things that we wanted this place to be. We said we wanted it to be a base for our team, for our staff team. We've moved in, and so we are here every day. We wanted it to be a creative hub for the city. And so we have started gigs in the evenings. And, for instance, this week there has been an amateur dramatics 
society in for four evenings using this space. Um, loving that. It's going to be a training centre for future leaders, which I'll talk about in a minute, and a house of prayer and worship. I would say that we've moved forwards on three of those. The last one, the fourth one, the um, house of prayer and worship, we are still figuring out exactly what that looks like, <laughs> if I'm to be honest with you. So that's amazing, buying the gate. Secondly, we've been de developing our sites and ministries. As Paul mentioned, we have a site in the west, we have a site in the north, and we have this site as well. Now, one of my joys as the pastor is that I move around. So this talk that I'm doing here this evening, I actually did in the north and the west last week. And I have the joy of seeing what God's doing in all of our services and communities. And just to report back, attendance is growing, new people are coming, people are coming to faith. That's pretty good on my card. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like tick that's pretty amazing that's to I just spoke to Dave uh Dave is our north site pastor and he was like absolutely loved it this morning do you know what I mean just seeing what God's done and um now the north site for those that don't know we were up in the holiday inn with a week's notice we lost that venue and they said you are no longer going to be here that's quite a traumatic moment as a when you're leading a community we no longer have a venue um I'm sure the house church know how to deal with that but um but the Lord has beautifully provided a school in Landaff North called the Hawthorne Primary. And so that has become a beautiful, beautiful space for our venue. And so we're so glad to be there. We're launching a new Grow Baby in Fairwater. We have a Grow Baby project here, but we're launching one in the west of the city. Looking forward to that. And in Compassion, we've received two amazing grants to bolster our Restore Ministry. One for £25,000, which is quite a lot of money and one for nearly four grand for our food co-op as well. So we are seeing the Lord's provision as well. The foundation is set. The people are in place. Let's open the doors for the King of Glory to come in. That's our heart. It's just like, let the King of Glory come in. So that's developing our sites and ministries. And then finally, church planting and equipping future church leaders. I had the joy of speaking to Owen and Karis Worrell. Owen and Karis were a part of our church for seven years. They were the most committed part of our church because they used to drive from Pembrokeshire to come to church, which is two hours. And then often Owen would serve on the kids team. Isn't that amazing? So I'm going to go to church and I'm going to serve on the kids team and then I'm going to drive back again. Anyway, what a, what a hero. But we planted Pembrokeshire Vineyard during the pandemic what a brilliant time to plant a church. And, but I, I catch up with them regularly. And they have been building for the last 18 months in small groups, building small groups together, more small groups. And then in January, they um, were like, we need a space to meet. We can't fit in our houses anymore. And so they started looking for a venue. And they found a brand spanking new school who said, you can meet here for free which is a great moment. And they said, no, 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 we're going to give you 30 pounds a week. So, uh, but do you know what? That really is Jesus's provision. It's in a beautiful location, great place. And so they've started meeting since January every other week, um, just building that community. And Owen said, I was like, oh, Owen, tell me a story. And he was like, well, do you know what? The greatest thing is there's been a number of people that have come to, to us and just said, oh, it just feels like home. Um, I feel like I'm home. This is where I'm meant to be. And so they're seeing the joy of just, planting that community we also planted a church in Falmouth about five years ago in Cornwall that must be Becca Collins yes Becca's from Falmouth hence whoop whoop um, but Ruth and Nathan who are our associate pastors 
they moved down to plant a church and I, I saw them about three weeks ago. That church is also absolutely thriving and they're loving it. Uh, they, they've also managed another church, have given them a building. They've kind of outgrown that one. I was speaking to Nathan about a month ago. It's like, I'm having to renovate another building, you know, but good problems. Um, but they are just seeing people come to faith regularly and loving that. So we planted two churches. So just a little report back on that. But we also feel that we're only just beginning, if I'm honest. It's not like, tick, we are done. When myself and Jen felt called to move to Cardiff, we believed that we were moving to the gateway city in Wales because the Lord had given us a heart for this nation and that it needs new communities of faith across Wales. And so as I look to it, I'm like, there's the valleys, there's Newport, there's Swansea, there's the Vale. There's so many places where that need vibrant communities of faith. The picture that the Lord has given me over the years, which I've shared before, is that the Lord is about starting bonfires of his presence. And that's really the idea of the presence and power of Jesus. And then people begin to gather around the bonfire. And that's what starting communities of faith looks like. I really don't care on the model. I just care that people come to know Jesus. <laughs> And you can launch a site, you can plant a church, you can start a small group, you can do many, many different things. But at the heart of it is we need vibrant communities of faith across Wales. So, I'm in. I'm into planting more churches. We've just begun. Even as I'm speaking, I'm aware that some of you might be like, do you know what? That's something the Lord's put on my heart. I'd love you to come and speak to me. Um, that's what the Lord does. Sometimes he stirs us and he quickens our hearts. So if that's you, and the Lord's speaking, don't forget that. Um, we're running a leadership college for the Vineyard Movement in this place. So there's 10 people currently on, on college who give a day a week, which Paul's leading brilliantly, I hear. And um, so 10 training. We've got six on a discipleship year as well. We are training as hard and as fast as we can for what the Lord wants to do. We take the commission that Jesus has given us very seriously. I might not be very serious about many things. If you know me well, I am not a serious person. I seriously like having fun. That is, if I'm going to lean one way, I'm going to lean fun, like by nature. But we take Jesus's words very seriously. Um, Jesus is called to go and make disciples is at the forefront of who we are as a church. Now, Slight change. Every year, and I say this, but this isn't actually true because during the pandemic I didn't do this, but we take a moment just to look at our finances as a church. And you might sit here and think that is a very odd thing to do, James. You might have never sat in church before where they've got their finances out and given you some pie charts. And I tell you why. Can I just tell you why I think this is so important? Because there are so many people in this church that give their money to what we're doing and therefore in the culture that we live in transparency is transparency is so so important that I don't want to ever said it's like oh I don't know what happens it's like no this this is the money that's given and this is where it goes and therefore I do this once a year just to say firstly I want to say a massive thank you to the outrageous generosity of our community and as you look at it if you take nothing in of the pie charts the one thing I want you to realize is how incredibly generous this people is. I want you to be blown away because I am blown away by the generosity of God's people. And I want you to take that away. If nothing else, for the rest of you, you might like some of these things. And some of you are like, I love a pie chart. Um, 
They're just to give a basic summary of our finances. As an important technicality, I'm duty-bound to tell you that these pie charts include figures for which only the first six months have been audited. And it's not often I use the word technicality in a preach. So just enjoy that if that's for you. These charts are by no means a comprehensive look. But one of the things that I'm doing in this moment is that I'm saying you can come and ask me any question about finance. That's what I want. And I will pass you on to Matt. No. Um, no, but do you see what I'm saying? It's like, this is not hidden. This is not something that happens over here. It's like, no, this is front. Like, you need to know this. If you're giving to this, I want you to trust where we give our money. For every person that tithes their money and they're like, actually, I'm giving to this community. I want you to know where it goes. I think that's really, really important. Also, just wanted to say, as a registered charity, our annual accounts are always logged online with the charity commission, so do peruse them if you want some light bedtime reading. Um, slide one. Bring up slide one. Da, 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 da. Here you go. There is our income for 2022. If you notice down here in the right-hand corner, total income, £846,944. That's quite a lot of money, isn't it? That is a lot of money. 2022, as I've said, was a really significant year for us as a church because we purchased this building and many other things. Um, but I sit there and I'm like, that is outrageous generosity. Like, I'm just blown away by that. Outrageous generosity. I will come back to the income in a second. Slide two. This next pie chart shows you the money that's been used so far in 2022. This is our expenditure, what we have spent. In 2022, our expenditure totaled 884000 859 pounds and of that you'll see that a significant proportion was spent on Sundays ministries and staffing as you can imagine we place a huge amount of our resources into running our Sunday services vineyard kids youth worship nights midweek activities weekends away all in gatherings and so much more there's venues to hire staff that make it happen many other costs week in week outs refreshments some of you might have a donut every no none of you do but um and last year, we also made a considerable outlay as we relocated our staff base from CVC into the gate. So there are a lot of costs associated. You can see that £293,982 there, which was basically the purchasing of this building, but also moving our centre into this place. Now, the other slice of the pie chart illustrates what we use to bless and serve others through our compassion ministries and also through giving to other organizations who we sense God is calling us to support. That's giving and to the benefit of others, 78,610 pounds. So that would be, yeah, like I said, our compassion ministries, but there's other ministries that we partner with in the city, like Meshes Wales, for instance, who we would support. Uh, we cannot support every ministry, but there are some that we feel called to partner with. The Message, for instance, loves Wales and the place that we're in, and so that would be a really obvious partnership for us. But, um, yeah. Now, the eagle-eyed among you might have spotted that we spent more than we received last year, and you might be thinking, oh dear, Houston, we have a problem. And I just want to reassure you that this was something that we not only anticipated, but had planned for. We knew moving into this space was going to be expensive. So this hasn't taken us by surprise. Like, <gasps> it's like, no, we knew that this, we planned for it. And um, we knew that it was going to take some serious spending to change what we were able to do. I also want to be honest 
with you and just say, well, do you know what? We have been affected, as many others have, by inflationary pressures. What's going on in on economically, you know, whether that's heating bills or hiring venues or buying refreshments, all of those things, we have noticed some of the costs of that as well. We are not immune to that in the same way that all of you will have experienced that in your daily life as well. If I can just return to slide one, I want to say a tiny bit more about our income as a church. You'll see that some of this money comes from other sources. Uh, £156,909 comes from other income. Just want to give you a tiny bit about that. We run something called T-Adva, which is a house for the homeless and vulnerably housed. So, for instance, we would we partner with the council on that, and so we get an income stream from the council, for instance, as well as, you know, I mentioned a 25 grand grant and another £3,900 grant. So, that other income includes some of the things that we also receive into the charity as well. However, you will also note that the vast majority of our income comes from the generosity of our church through giving, whether that's regular giving, standing orders, one-off gifts. So can I just say on behalf of our community, if you are here and you give to our community monthly, weekly, whatever, can I just say a massive thank you? Like we could not do what we do without you. And so I'm here to say thank you that you have responded to the Lord's call in that area of your life and that you have been so incredibly generous with us. That humbles us and it enables us to be generous. One of our values as a church is outrageous generosity, that we want to take the incredible generosity of the Lord and send it into our city and to be able to bless those. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we're so grateful for you. It also might be that you're here and you have been coming for a while and you haven't made that step of moving into um, generosity in this area of your life. I just also want to say that is an invitation to you. There is no compunction. There is no guilt here in this area. It's just we love to invite people. We think that this is a discipleship issue. And so we love to give you that invitation. If you haven't yet started giving and you want to give, then why don't you join the rest of the many, many hundreds of people that already do that in order that we can bless this city. So there are cards on your seats. Again, no heaviness, but just to say there is an invitation there if you want to join in with that. As you can see, that is not what I normally communicate. <laughs> if you know me well, James Pie Chart Rankin. Uh, do you know what? But I am also pleased that we get to do that. It was one of the, do you know what? I took my wife, Jen, the first time I ever took her to church. She wasn't a Christian. She didn't know the Lord. And we had a conversation. I was like, do you want to come to church? And she said, okay. The first time I took her was what I call Pie Chart Sunday at Trent in Nottingham. And it was kind of a little bit like this. It was the vision talk for the year. And she'd also invited her friend who'd never been to church before, who'd come to her in the bar the night before. He'd had about 14 pints and thought it was a great idea to come to church. Um, so he came to church as well, sat there, hung over the whole way through. At the end of it was like, I loved it. I, and I was like, I wasn't expecting that. So, and what Jen said is she was like, I wasn't expecting to love Pie Chart Sunday. But she was like, what was really great was I got to see what, what you spend your money on and who you are as a church. And so she came out and came back and gave her life to Jesus. So there you go. You never know. Um, I love that. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that this series was called Commissioned.
And when I spoke to the leaders of our church in early January, I talked about how 2021 felt like survival. Cast your minds back, 2021. I call it rubbish church. And it was really that idea where you couldn't talk to anybody. You were two meters distance from everybody and it felt awful. And I was leading it. Uh, And if I was leading it and thought it was terrible, I don't know how everybody else found it, but it was deeply difficult. And it was either Zoom church or distance church. It's like, hmm, difficult choice. Um, Survival. 2022, really stable put our foundations back in and we've seen some wonderful things happen. Alice shared about that last week. The foundations were rebuilt. 2023 is about multiplication. And I want to unpack what I mean by that word because you might be like, oh, what does that mean? I want to really look at what I mean by that. The Lord spoke to me really clearly in the beginning of January about this themed commissioned. I wouldn't say like it was a visible, out there voice of God experience, but it was so clear in my mind. I was just there and it was like commissioned, bang. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to be in Matthew 28 this year. That's where you're going to sit. That's where you're going to be. And some of you are like, what's Matthew 28? It's the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. And I feel that is the place that we're in as a church to be reminded of the Great Commission. So I'm just going to read that. Some of you will know it verbatim, others it will be unfamiliar to. It says this, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is a really challenging piece of scripture. Don't you ever read that? You're like, boom. And there's three things that I just want to draw out of this passage this evening. Now, often when we talk about vision, we talk about what we're going to do. So it'd be like, oh, we're going to launch a site. We're going to buy a building. We're going to start this new ministry, all of which is important. Today, however, I want to talk talk far more about the culture of who God is going to be, who God is calling us to be rather than just what we do. Because I think there is a danger in just being like, we are going to do X, Y, and Z. Now, often with businesses And churches, what happens is somebody sees, let's take a business, they see a successful business and a business is doing something really well and they go, we've got to be just like that. Or a church does the same up the road, something amazing is happening. Why don't we just do exactly what they do? And then they try and nick what that person's doing and it doesn't work. And they turn around and go, why hasn't that worked? And the reason why it hasn't worked is because they do not have the culture to be able to take that thing on. Does that make sense? There's a brilliant phrase that says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Pete Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. If you want to change as a community, you need to concentrate on your culture. That's where you need to spend your time. And so this evening, as I'm talking to you about vision, I am talking about who God is calling us to be. So on the 8th of January, I started this year And I talked about, and this is my first point, confidence in the power of the gospel. 
If you were to say, what is the culture of who God is calling us to be? I believe that he's calling us to be confident in the power of the gospel. In the Great Commission, it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. It's all in me. As a result of that, all of the power is found in Jesus. As a result of that power that resides in him, go. Go forth from here. And I believe that so much of the church, and I'm talking wider than us now, has been robbed of its confidence. Absolutely robbed of its confidence. Specifically, its confidence in the power of the gospel. It's almost like it's been drained out of the church. And we live in a nation that is a post-Christian nation. What that means is, people do not think the same way that we think. They just don't. And what's for the last five or ten years particularly, what the church has been trying to do is walk this tightrope walk between culture and scripture. And they're kind of like, ooh, always getting a little bit wobbly. What has happened in the last five years is that tightrope is gone. It's just no longer there anymore. We live in a different world. The world is not the way. We no longer live in a Christian nation. Therefore, people no longer believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. People no longer go, do you know what? The scriptures are where I root my life. And therefore, what's happening is it's a different day. It's not the day that we used to live in. And therefore, as a result, many, much of the church has been wobbled by this moment We are faithful to Jesus first and foremost and everything that he says in the scriptures. And we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That we believe that eternity is found in him. There is no other way. Can you see? In that moment, we are declaring something that all power is found in him. That is not the worldview that we are a part of. It's really challenging. We have been given the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us. I've been really reflecting quite a lot on Acts. I love, I love, love, love the book of Acts. But this moment where the disciples, Jesus has disappeared, he's gone, and they're in the upper room, terrified, literally terrified. They've gathered together and they're praying and they're like, Jesus said to wait for the gift that he's going to send. I really hope it's good. I really hope this gift, because we are completely wobbled, and Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This moment that we see in Acts 2, where they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the thing that I really want to tell you today is the spirit that filled the disciples 2,000 years ago is exactly the same spirit that we have. It is no different. I want you to think about the most amazing small group that ever existed. It was here. This small group changed the world. So from being in a room, terrified, what happened is the power of God came into the room. It filled them with the Holy Spirit. And from there, they went to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth. There was power in that small group. What about your small group? No, but you know what I mean? It's like, what, what do we... I, I don't mean that too flippantly, a little bit. But no, do you know what I mean? It's like, we are gathering together 
as God's people. And when we gather, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And that we have the same spirit that Jesus had and we have the power of the gospel. And therefore, there's power. And so when we get together, I want to see the power of God fill each other into those environments, that they are irresistible environments of the power of God. That's what I long for for our small groups. And that out of those places, we see incredible things happen. This week, I had a really, really profound conversation with somebody in our church who has fled persecution. They've come from another nation. They have left their family. They have, their family's given up on them in this moment. They have given up their old way of life and they have moved nations to follow Jesus. This is somebody in our church. This is somebody in our community. They have given up everything because of the gospel. Their whole life. And when I say everything, I mean everything. All of it to follow Jesus. And it is deeply humbling. You know, you sit down with somebody that's like, well, the gospel says this. And I had to get out of that environment because I, was being, I would have been arrested for my faith. That's what confidence in the power of the gospel looks like. It's like, I will give it all. Because he's worth it. And that his way is better. We sang about it, didn't we? His way is better. His way is better. And that's underlyingly what we believe. There is only one way. So that's the first thing. Confidence in the power of the gospel. And I'm going to keep harping on about this. <laughs> You're like, shut up. I'm like, no, confidence in the power of the gospel. It's in the spirit. The second thing that I want to talk about is a mindset. I want to talk about a mindset of multiplication. So to continue in the Great Commission, verse 19. Therefore, so all, in, all authority is in Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus' call on the church to make disciples of all nations is not merely a suggestion. He wasn't like, oh, I've come up with this great suggestion for you lot. It's not even a good idea or a recommendation. It is a command. It's a command. Go and make disciples. Go. Go. And the commissioning over the disciples that I talked about that first small group is the same as the commissioning over us. That is no different. Didn't you think Kitty's notice about Alpha was amazing? Do you know what I mean? In, in terms of, I just wanted to, like, I was like, that is the best notice about Alpha I've ever heard. And just that idea of kingdom try, we are not responsible for the outcome. We're not. You know, it's not my responsibility whether somebody comes to faith or not. My responsibility is to give them an opportunity to meet Jesus. If I do not give them that opportunity, well, then I've missed something. That I'm sitting there going, do you know what? Jesus has given us the keys to eternal life. Jesus has given us life now. Jesus has given us all of this. And yet, I'm not willing to share that with you because I'm afraid or I'm ashamed. That's what the confidence looks like. Go and make disciples. Do not settle. Do not make excuses. Do not concentrate on yourself. Do not keep it to yourselves. Do not think it's only for some. Do not let your mindset limit what Jesus wants to do. 
My passion is that there will be a rediscovering of kingdom power and purpose in our community, like in a profound way. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Mark uh, and Anna who got commissioned this morning, but Mark was sharing on a Sunday in early January how they'd been into the prison and that they'd seen 25 guys respond to the gospel message. It was just a really simple gospel message, about 50 of them, and 25 of the guys in prison were just like, yeah, I want that, and how they'd had an opportunity to just pray for these people afterwards. Do you know what? They didn't have to go into the prison that day. They could have stayed in bed. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, but the difference was that they listened to the voice of the Lord and what the Lord wants to do. Can you see that? Sometimes there is this invitation going on that we're not always aware of the invitation. And what I love about Mark particularly, and there's other people in our community, is the obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The the Spirit leads and he did it. So just talking about this mindset of multiplication, one of the things that I do outside of this church is that I oversee church planting for the movement. So again, you might have picked up I like planting churches. But that the team that I'm a part of is called Multiply. And I would say that I've learned a few things about multiplication over the last 20 years. And I just want to share a couple of them with you. The first one is this. Multiplication needs intentionality. What I mean by that is it doesn't just happen. Multiplication needs intentionality. Let me give you an example of a small group. Some of you have led small How many people lead small groups in this room? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Okay, quite a lot of small group leaders. You run a small group. I'm going to give you an example. Small groups are just little groups of people that meet. You run it for two years. It's a good, solid small group. And people like each other, the strong community, but not much oomph. You know what I mean by that? Not much core. Commitment's okay. After two years, you reach the point where you're knackered and you decide to stop because your life circumstances have changed. A few conversations happen, but no one wants to take it on and the small group closes. Half the people find a new home in another group and the others disperse. Okay, that would be a story of a small group. Contrast this with an intentional small group, an intentional culture. You start a small group with the vision of starting a second one within 18 months. From the beginning, you recruit a strong core and start trying to identify how you're training up the next person to take it on. You're praying and asking God to provide those people. At the same time, weekly, you pray with the group about people in your community and how they might come to faith. What you're going to invite them to. Maybe a small group social or party where you invite people. The time comes for you to step down because your life circumstances have changed, but you've planted two groups in the process. Intentionality makes such a difference. Ed Stetzer, who's a guy who talks a lot about churches. I love this. He planted his fifth church. Wow. In his fifth church, he'd learned a few things. He stood up on the first Sunday and was like, we're going to plant another, we're going to plant a church in 18 months or two years and we're going to do an offering for it today. Can you see the difference? Basically, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. And therefore, you put it in right at the beginning of who you are. This is how we are going to operate. Often what happens is we try and wait to put something further down the line. But when you have a missional output from the beginning, it completely changes the dynamic. 
So intentionality, if you are going to multiply things, there has to be an intentionality about it. It doesn't just happen. Why? Because people like comfort. People like safety. By nature, it's like, oh, but it's so comfortable. It's so safe. Why would I ever take that risk? Because his way is better. Because that's what Jesus calls us to. Go and make disciples. Secondly, multiply everything. Sometimes we think, oh, do you know what? We multiply things at the top level. We multiply them up here. You multiply kids small groups. You multiply worship leaders. You multiply small group leaders. You don't just multiply things at the top level. Everything should have multiplication in it. it everybody should be raising up others around them and asking what Jesus is doing. And it changes the nature of the way that you think. What happens is, if you don't multiply things, people begin, leaders begin to crack. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, there's another person. But I feel really grumpy that another person's turned up. That's not how it's meant to be. I was speaking with the leaders of a church I really respect, Birmingham Vineyard. They said their goal is to multiply a new small group every month. I was like, wow. I haven't decided to adopt it yet. No, but you can see, can't you? You're like, oh, that's what, we're, that's what we're aiming to see. Therefore, we're going to do that. And then finally, multiplication isn't about our kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. I am not interested in things being bigger for the sake of bigger. That is very boring. I am interested in God's kingdom extending and healthy things grow. That's what I believe. I believe that multiplication is in God's heart because he wants to see people come to faith. And he wants to see people come into family and people find a home. And he wants to see people's lives transformed. That is the impetus, God's kingdom. And it's in the Great Commission. I'm coming in to finish. I've got about three minutes. Can you stay with me for three minutes? Because I think this last point is really good. Um, if it wasn't good, I wouldn't share it. But um, I want to finish with this. Confidence in the power of the gospel. Mindset of multiplication. Finally, my answer is yes. We wrote a song as a church called I Surrender in 2021 on our reset album, Naomi's song. And it says this, I surrender to my father, to my savior, to my friend. My answer is yes before you call. That lyric has messed with me for a year. Every time I sing it, I'm like, is my answer yes before you call? Can you tell what the difference is, though? One is the surrender of the heart that says, Lord, you do what you want. And I'm prepared for when you move rather than I'm going to fight you when you want to move. My answer is yes before you call. I want to be in a place where I can say yes to the things of the kingdom. My answer is yes to what you're doing and where you're moving. Jesus calls us above everything else to obedience. And we see this just in this final bit of the Great Commission. It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything, not some bits. It says all of it. So in this idea of making disciples, it's saying teach them to be discipled in all areas of their life, whether that's financially, emotionally, relationally, all of it, our discipleship structure or framework as a church is live like Jesus. Why? Because he's the model. He is the person that we're going after. I want to be more like him. I want to look more like him. I want to act more like him.
In this season that we are in as a community, God is stirring new things. That's the season that we're in, multiplication. God is asking some of you to do ridiculous kingdom things. Not for the sake of being ridiculous, but for the sake of his kingdom. And there have been dreams that have been squashed down because you've been battered by life, by the storms of life. And I feel like this is the season where the Lord is going to take the shackles off. And he's like, there's things that I've put in your heart that need to happen. And he's calling us into a new day as a community. He's like, start to dream again. Start to dream kingdom dreams about what I'm going to do. And if you have these things, if you have a confidence in the power of the gospel, if you have a mindset of multiplication, and if you can say yes to the things that he's doing with the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see a different day. And we will see God move in remarkable, remarkable ways. So when I come down to it, I am talking about culture. I'm talking about the way that we are to operate over this next year. And I am really, really excited about what the Lord's going to do. I want to read these words in finishing. It's of a song by Ren Collective, and I think it says everything that I want to say. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives. That is a big line, isn't it? For you're our joy and prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church and we pray revive this earth. Build your kingdom here, let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets and lands. Set your church on fire, win this nation back. Change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. Unleash your kingdom's power, reaching the near and far. No force of hell can stop your beauty-changing hearts. You made us for much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Awake the dreams in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We are your church. We are the hope on earth. Why don't you stand?